vocal warm up. <laughs> he said, "Ow oh, now, brown cow." La 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 la, me 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 me. Brown cow. <laughs> Tell you what, if I had a staff, first order of business would be making somebody else master the audio <laughs> while we're doing an episode. <laughs> but I'm just gonna try to stay close to this bitch like this. You, that's all I can ask. Yeah. You talk into that circle. Yeah. And you're doing so good. They need to fucking wrap a rubber band. They'll <laughs> be like, dude, yeah, I'm getting abused at the podcast, dude. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> be a hell hostage and shit. Mm. <laughs> I just use you for your talent. Yeah. I'm mining out of you. I got to hook Herschel yeah. up to the, yep. to, the, to the funny machine. Yep, that's funny. It's like a milking machine. Yeah. <laughs> you ever seen a cow go into those and then it like shuts on their neck Damn. and they can't get out? That's fucked up. Yeah. It doesn't hurt them, but they get scared sometimes. That's fucked up though, man. Yeah, it is. Give me those nipples. It's come, we've come a long way from having to sit there with your little bucket and stool and jerk off the cow Ooh. titties. Now they You're got right. the, yeah. they got the whole machine that's like, I mean, for the standpoint of the cow, I can see the for the standpoint of the motherfucker trying to get the milk out of the cow. And I guess what? It. I got a thing of promised land Man. chocolate milk upstairs, and that's the best fucking thing I've ever is that, had. Is Thank that, you, cow. Is that glass? Or glass it? bottle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whole milk, chocolate that milk. Glass bottle, man. Killer. It's like, am I drinking melted chocolate ice cream right now, or am I drinking milk? Because I can't tell the difference. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bumblebutt Podcast X. X, X. Today we have a uh, groundbreaking for the second time, mm. second ever in studio guest. Mm. Herschel, explain yeah. who's here. Okay, this is my bro. Real bro, not bro. Oh, yeah, that's I, I did yeah. have to ask if you meant yeah. fraternal relative. Yeah. No, that's my actual bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. guess what? If you were sitting where I'm sitting, basically the same thing yeah it's like twins except one's a little lighter yeah oh you think so i do hmm yeah but anyway this is my bro sam sam hell if you know him sam hell yeah. like sam well but samuel jackson yeah i love it yeah i love it that's great stuff good job thank you for coming thank mm-hmm. you for sitting in the uh big Yeep. comfy couch position fuck yeah no. sam hell sam hell and raided coming at you Full of fit. Only on Get your shit. 93.9. The fuck. Bet. That's fuck with F-U-Q. F-U-Q. <laughs> All right. Let's get down to business, shall Zer- we, Herball? Actually, before we get down to business, Herball, mm-hmm. we have to say R.I.P. to Omar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we absolutely do. R.I.P. Michael. You're a hell of a goddamn actor. My dude. Did you watch Lovecraft Country? No, but I've heard great things. He did so good on that. He was a little. He was a little, did, he was a little he was bit typecast. You should watch Lovecraft. I'm not gonna. You. I'm not gonna spoil it. It's really you. good. It's right, really good. Start. Okay, cool. But shit, R.I.P. My dude. R.I.P. What a bo- yeah. What a fucking boss. He had a bunch of acting left, man. Too much acting left. Mm. We're robbed. We've been robbed. He probably was gonna become the next Samuel. That late life career mm-hmm. boost. I mean, Samuel's been working since 94, yeah, at least dude. since Pulp Fiction. He's been working consistently. Yeah, consistently. That motherfucker take rolls out the roll. He was a Jedi, too. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Oh, yeah, Star Wars. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. July 11th, 1991. Mm-hmm. A solar eclipse was taking place in the sky over Los Angeles, California. At 10.12 a.m., the moon began to move in front of the sun 
And at 11.28, it was covering almost 70%. Mm. That morning, a couple dads and their little baby boys drove up the Corral Canyon Road in Malibu to watch it. Canyon uh, uh, Road? Hmm, that's a good road. Corral Canyon Road. Yeah. Or maybe it's Coral. I think it's Coral. Either way, it's probably a good road, right? I think so. Okay. Scenic? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably, nothing probably happens on this road. Probably not. I bet nobody ever dumps or kills hookers. Right. Probably never. I think you activated my trap card already. (laughs) It wasn't hard. (laughs) You mean it wasn't so, it was kind of like I put one leaf over a giant pit of spikes or something? As the dads and sons were approaching the perfect spot to witness the spectacle, they saw another once-in-a-lifetime event that wiped out the wonder of the celestial bodies crossing paths. A heavy-set corpse in advanced decomp, only identifiable as a female because of her breasts. A heavy-set corpse. She was lying on her back with maggots doing their job all around mm. her face. Her t-shirt was hiked up to her shoulders, and around her neck was a tightly knotted bra. Otherwise, she was fully clothed. There was no ID in her pockets. Mm. Police on scene speculated the woman was a prostitute, but also scoffed off the idea. Prostitutes would get picked up by their johns and go a block or two at most. And that's bogus, because... They they were 25 miles up a mountain, you know Mm. what I mean? Like, the prostitutes wouldn't be okay with that. Yeah, but you could pick them up. And obviously, they said she was a heavyset corpse, right? Yeah. Which is bogus. So... So I think that's why they didn't say she was a prostitute because nobody girls would don't exactly. cry. They think big, big girls can be hookers. They don't cry. Yeah, yeah. They don't cry. Dude, they didn't like the, the heavy set prostitutes. Nope. Yeah, I know. Okay, there's different classes of sex workers, right? Mm-hmm. You got like main strip street walkers that are your the best of the best, mm-hmm. and she was about four rings outside of that. She was in the scuzzy warehouse district. Pretty like much a lot she lizard. was trying to get in where she fit in. She was playing, well, where they she was feeding in. in her ecosystem, basically. Mm-hmm. Hair on. Mm, I mean, all you pretty much had to do was give her like a cigarette. That's why, that's Marlboro. not to activate another trap card, but that's what he's preying on. Easy, easy victims mm. that'll do a lot of things for drugs. Mm. That's actually, this is bogus, smart. If that's your, if that's going to be your hobby. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good. Praying on a week. Yeah. It's stupid. After fingerprints from the coroner came back, they were spot on with their guests. The victim's name was Sherry Long, and she had numerous arrests for prostitution. But what was she doing up that mountain? The autopsy was a brutal one. Sherry didn't have eyes left. They'd been eaten by the maggots. Dr. Rebe opened up her skull to reveal a large, seething central mass composed of several thousand active maggots, mostly large. They had taken care of the brain with the exception of 50 cc's of pale gray soup. That was what was written on the coroner's report. She'd been there for a while. In Dr. Rebe's estimation, the victim had been dead anywhere from four to seven days. He ascribed the death to asphyxia due to, or as a consequence of, ligature strangulation, which means they used an implement instead of just their hands, which would be manual strangulation. Mm -hmm. Pretty much they were saying she did it herself? Nope. They were saying that uh, it was done with a tool and not with somebody's Mm -hmm. hands, which would be more common. Even, but still by somebody else that did it to her. Yes. I'm just thinking. It like was with, moiter. It was certainly not a suicide. Mm. Oh, okay. Because I thought, mm. you know, when you say fixation, I thought that's something that you do. When, because of, yeah. uh, uh, like you doing kill it to Bill. yourself so you could get off. Yeah. 
autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah. David Carradine. Yeah, that's how he died. I can't get this nut. I'm about to die. It's not that serious, man. Like, there's way better ways to get your nut. To keen-eyed Deputy John Yarbrough, the girl strangled with her bra sounded familiar. He'd recently seen LAPD teletypes about prostitutes who'd been murdered in the same way with bra ligatures uptown. Mm. Yarbrough contacted Detective Fred Miller in LAPD homicide and figured Sherry was the next victim of the killer he'd been hunting. Okay, so this is sounding good. It sounds like they own something here. Right, like right away there. Yeah, all right, cool. The killer first popped up about a month previous, June 19th, 1991. Shannon Exley was a 21-year-old prostitute who was popular with the grocery truck drivers coming in and out of L.A. Mm. It was hard and demanding and degrading work, but she needed income in order to support her ever-deepening crack cocaine relationship. Mm, so he's probably just slapping the ass every time they drove the trucks in and shit. Yeah, and they're coming from all over the country, mm-hmm. you know. L.A.'s a hub. Mm-hmm. Things go in, things go out. So, so she you must have these... not been too far gone yet. I think she was just starting. Okay, she's twenty-one. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I suppose that is old mm-hmm. on the street, as the kids say. How long you said she was on the street though? And uh, I don't know because when you like, dude, when you first start drug hard drugs, you don't see the difference. It's gonna take about a couple months, a month. Maybe, <laughs> that sounds like an immediate difference Dude, to me. No, but that's how the shit is, yeah, man. I know. Shit. Ugh. Ugh. No, sh- no judgment. I no mean, judgment. And that depending on the, the, the addict or whoever it is drinking water. See, if they... If they a smart addict, they drink some water. Then eat prolong. some strawberries. Yeah, drink yeah. some water. Exactly, you'll prolong the effects of how the drug is gonna make you look. But that means that you have income or money for water or strawberries, <laughs> right? Exactly. And that's all going to crack cocaine. Exactly, and that's why they. It's a brutal cycle. Yeah, I used to do it with whiskey. Yeah, but you are still drink your proteins because yeah. after you was fucking goop, you'll be like, dude, I gotta get something in me. I used to give you the ends. On my yeah. on my whiskey. That's where that's where all the alcoholism starts. I said, "Hey Herschel, why don't you develop a drinking but problem these like your good just friend Herschel?" Though these were like <laughs> they were like if you go to the store and you buy like the small not shots but what's the next one after shots a three seven five. Dude, that's what they were. Maybe a because little smaller you because you couldn't get how you wanted to get off. Oh, not a chance. Yeah, yeah. Off, dude, you needed no, a fresh bottle exactly. And bottles just took up space. You know what I mean bottles mm-hmm. so you could have the bottle and the little amount that would get you where you needed to be yeah because i would i would literally hold it in for like a week it's good stuff hey yeah we was. had our own little uh ecosystem didn't yep. we we had our own mm-hmm. little terrible ecosystem mm-hmm. yeah yeah yes and that's just the tip of the iceberg mm. Mm. it only got worse from there yeah Her last customer ever had picked her up and drove east across the L.A. River to the Girl Scout Center. In the vacant lot behind it, no one saw his car or heard her screams. Mm. The location indicated that the killer had planned the whole thing, much like our pal David Carpenter, the trailside Mm. killer, Mm -hmm. having pre-selected his kill sites. Mm -hmm. Shannon, not dead yet, too, by the way. Who's not dead? Carpenter. He's not dead. Oh, yeah, Yeah, he's still in prison. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. And Fuck. I, and I recently looked. <laughs> he's, still, he's still in there. Yeah, still. The oldest inmate yeah. in California's yeah. death row. How low can you go, death row? Nobody got to him. Nobody. Yeah, nobody. 
Dahmer was barely in prison before somebody stabbed him with a mm. broken broom handle. But I think the screws put him up to that. When you say screws. Prison guards. Okay. That's I think awesome. they probably gave him the alone time with Dahmer and the broom handle, mm. if I were to guess. I think they might have staged that scenario to, to kill Jeff it. Dahmer, yeah. I believe it, because he was going to be the next meal. He was a hungry. Yeah. He was a hungry man dinner. Yeah, a side of leg, please. <laughs> With some mouse sauce. Ooh, a little mouse sauce? Yeah. <laughs> Shannon Exley would not have proposed going all the way out here to turn a trick. She would have suggested going a block over from where she was picked up in a vacant yes, parking lot she's not, surrounded by abandoned cars. She's not finna walk off. She's a pro. She's a prostitute. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And she and they walk. She's NFL. She's a street walker. But she's she's not for not 25 walk. miles yeah. to a Girl Scout parking lot. Yeah, you don't have to go up a mountain and up a hill and roll back down like Jack and Jill. Just get on this wiener. Mm, yeah, dude, because you can make your money down here. And she knows that because then she can get on the next wiener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because now you got to come back down. That's time that she could be doing another one. Listen, there's schedules. There's pimps Man, to consider. It's a lot into this, bro. That's why I, c- I could never be a pro out there. <laughs> I could never do. I don't have the talent to walk them streets. <laughs> the killer scoped this place in advance and knew it couldn't be seen from the road. From the second he picked her up, he knew where he was taking her. The killer had asphyxiated her with her own bra. Miller had seen a lot of dead sex workers. He'd seen them strangled, beat, shot, stabbed, and burnt. But he'd never seen one strangled with her own bra still left tight around her neck. He was probably, yeah. Let me do the same by myself, guys. Yeah, so, Detective Miller. You yeah, think he was? Yeah, you think he a freak a leak? Yeah. All right. Not only that, it was a practiced maneuver with customizations being made to the bra by the killer to get more leverage and control. We'll get to that in just one minute. Okay. Detective Miller shared his concern that Exley's murderer was the kind of guy that would kill again, and as such, there was no reason to examine her inner circle. Maybe the killer had been a customer before, but more than likely, this was her first time meeting him. Herein lies the problem. In 1991, L.A. County had 4.5 million male taxpayers, plus thousands of tourists, plus the truckers bringing shit in from all over the country. Shannon Exley could have been killed by literally millions of people. Mm-hmm. One week later, Miller was reading through teletypes when he saw one for a dead sex worker in a freight company parking lot. A homeless man looking for burnables in the industrial zone along the L.A. River found her lying on her back underneath an 18-wheeler with a bra tightly knotted around her neck. Mm. Everything that should have been on her was missing except for one sock, her t-shirt, and a hypodermic needle. Her fingerprints revealed that this was 33-year-old Irene Rodriguez. It's, it's so hard not to discredit these prostitutes, but they people. Not only that, two kinds of discreditation here found by a homeless man. Society's so fucked up, What's bro. the only thing we care less about than a hooker <sighs> is a homeless that's, man. That's, mm, we so fucked up, man. Society is judged by how we treat our lowest class of people. And if that's the case... We will be judged harshly. That's sad, bro. Her fingerprints revealed that this was 33-year-old Irene Rodriguez, who had just arrived in L.A. two months previous from El Paso, Texas. She'd come to California to visit her mother and stayed for the easy, ready access to heroin. She continued <laughs> turning tricks until Friday, June 28th, 
which was the last time she was seen alive. Like, yeah, I come down here for you, but I'm really down here for the heroin. The needle. Yeah, mm. The great heroin. This was a job for Dr. Lynn Harold, a.k.a. the BOA, at the L.A. County Sheriff's Department Crime Lab. She didn't know about this nickname until much later, mm. but even when she did, it still didn't make sense. Mm-mm. She had a pet python named Penelope, and <laughs> I guess that could be confused for a boa constrictor. Yeah. Dr. Lynn had seen all sorts of ways of binding, gagging, and strangling. Sometimes a killer may use an unusual material and rig it up in an unusual way. Mm. There was once a girl found in an alley rolled up in a tarp and tied closed with a strange assembly of wire coat hangers. They rolled up like how they when it's about to rain on a baseball field. And just, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Unrolled, the big rolls roll it, of them roll it back up. from the side of the field and stuff. Mm. Is that what those big bags are on the side mm. of the field? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to look into that. Carpet baseball. Carpet. Baseball field maintenance. The killer had unwound, interlocked, and rewound all the hangers together so they fit together like links on a chain. This was a highly unusual way of doing things, and much more time-consuming and less effective than using a real chain or just rope or something. As it turned out, when Dr. Lynn did a search for similar victims throughout the country, she got a hit in Louisiana with the dead body found wrapped in the exact same tarp and coat hanger contraption. They were able to link both girls to one man, the boyfriend of the L.A. girl's mom, who was visiting his uncle in Louisiana when he killed the other girl. This kind of strange kill device has symbolic significance to the killer. The coat hanger chain meant something to him, or at least was the expression of some sort of idea that he'd likely been harboring since he was a child. It was these personal touches that set certain killers apart from the thousands of others that would avoid detection by using a cord or a roll of tape or Mm. something usual. On July 16th, 1991, a sheriff's deputy picked up the three bras from the coroner and delivered them to Dr. Lynn at the crime lab. She opened the bags and laid them out. Not one of them were wire-enforced, meaning the whole thing could have been used as a ligature. The killer Mm. could have easily grasped the elastic straps with his hands and twisted them once around the woman's neck and yanked. It would simply and effectively cut off the carotid artery. That's crazy that they wear something that could kill them. They're wearing their own murder device. Invented by men, by the way. Bras were invented by dudes. Mm -hmm. The man's ear. The man's ear. (laughs) I did have to uh, tell a security guard at the baseball field about uh, my uh, Costanza wallet. So that's mm. good. I'm glad we're getting Seinfeld references cool. up in here. Yeah, yeah. This killer had to be different. All three bras had been made into custom killing devices. He used a knife to cut one of the shoulder straps from the top and made a hole along a side panel which created an eye through which he ran the strap. The cut also separated the top and bottom elastic bands allowing him to exert force over three cords with less friction between them this created a slip knot and enabled him to play with the constriction so he could ease it on, he could take it off. Am I for to activate a trap card again? Let's find out. Okay. Let's roll those. Let's was play he, the feud. Was he drag? Nope. Unfortunately. Because okay. how would he know all this shit? Herschel. Like, you've been playing with too many bras, bro. Herschel, you inadvertently activated my trap card. He is an artsy fartsy man, but we'll get to it. No, he's a little he, bit. Okay. He's like in yeah. that crowd. Okay. All he hangs up. Do you know who Andy Warhol was? Sounds familiar. He was an artist. 
all with them hippies and shit and all he did was hang out with girls and do drugs and mm. and and like he could have been a cult leader probably mm-hmm. he had that energy i think the guy we're talking about today does too okay let's get it out all three were tied off at the maximum tension possible the neck of rodriguez was compressed to just six inches the medium built Exley's to seven, and the heavy set Sherry Long was crushed all the way down to eight. That was the most jarring one because it was like a head, a heavy set body, and the neck was crushed all the way down to eight inches. God. All three strangling devices shared these distinct points. Each was made from an intimate article of a woman's own clothing. Each was customized with a tool, even though they were already lethal. Each had incisions in the exact same places. Each was wrapped around the neck at max tension. Mm. Each had a knot holding the ligature in place that was more complex than the usual overhand knot, which is the only knot most people know. How many knots do you know how to tie? Um, one. Same. Because we're not in the <laughs> Navy. Yeah. We're not sailors. How many knots do you know how to tie, Sam? <laughs> how, well, tell me. Just how many knots do you know how to tie? Too many. Too many. When you're in the Navy, you got to be able to tie off... Mm. A lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Differently. Yeah, that's true. My girlfriend in the Navy, or was, mm. and she ties me up just right. Yeah. <laughs> in the Navy. Mm. <laughs> Dr. Lynn didn't speculate on why the killer had strangled the women in the way he had. That was a job for the police. She only stated her opinion that of the thousands of ligature strangulations that she had seen firsthand, these three bra strangulations were unique. The killer obviously had experience. Newer stranglers run into the trouble of not being able to tell when their victim is all the way dead. This suggested he'd had trouble in the past with a victim who lived to tell the tale. She concluded that for all three victims, the detectives should be looking for just one killer. Miller sensed that the killer was more refined than the typical chauvinistic pig that attacks women. Mm. That's not to say he was above brute violence. He'd hit his victims hard enough in the face and stomach to cause internal bleeding. Still, his killings were not chaotic. They were methodical and controlled. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, for him to even suspect one killer, like, he's doing the same shit the same way. Even if it's a duplicate, they're not going to do the same shit the same way. Not the exact same. Serial killers are rare. In the 1980s, the FBI estimated that at any given time, there were 35 active serial killers in the U.S. out of a population of 240 million. 6,000 miles to the east in Vienna, Austria, serial killers were even more rare. And a series of prostitute murders in the spring of 1991 would take investigators way off guard. Here's an excerpt from the front page of the Austrian newspaper The Courier Mm -hmm. from May 22nd, 1991. Four prostitutes missing without a trace from the Penzing neighborhood of Vienna. On Monday, one of them was found strangled in the Scots woods by a hiker. Now there is grave concern for the lives of the three still missing in the red light district. The fear of death prevails. Mm. The one that was found dead was Sabine Mazzi, age 25. Heavy spring rains had kept hikers out of the Viennese woods for most of April and May, but as June loomed, better weather was on the horizon. A 62-year-old retired man walking through the Scots woods noticed an awful smell. Scanning the forest floor, he of course saw Sabine's corpse. Mm -hmm. He already knew what it was when he smelled that shit. I think you kind of have an inkling when you smell that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Patrol officers on the scene saw it was absolutely no suicide, so the Austrian CSI boys showed up. Mm. The 25-year-old was naked except for a leotard hiked up around her shoulders. She was face down with legs spread wide and arms straight forward. The wet conditions had started her body melting into the undergrowth. Damn. A layer of blue-gray fungus covered her body, and foxes had nibbled away most of her right leg. The killer had staged the corpse this way to be as vulgar and obscene as possible, face down in the dirt with anus and vulva exposed, gaping towards whoever found her. A stocking was bound tight around her neck, and later autopsy would prove manual strangulation due to asphyxiation with her own pantyhose. No, he went to the pantyhose this time. Uh Uh-huh. She must not have been wearing a bro. These take place uh, about two months before the American ones. So this is before mm, the ones we've talked okay. about. Mm-hmm. I, I realize that I, I go through these dates pretty quick. No, so. you're fine. But that was uh, that was the pretty much the first. This is the first one they found of the recent spate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess he found a better way to do it. I think he uh, evolved, matured. Yeah. Fast, too. <sighs> like the penny holes. It just wasn't the way to go. Yeah. I want to cut holes in bras and make my own little slip cord. What a freak. I'm just saying, whose bra he's been working with? Is he just going to the store getting this shit himself? Yeah. Maybe like a, if you have like that fetishy, fetish thing, you'll just go get your own bra. Or maybe you like stealing them. Okay. Yeah, stealing them. If you a kill, you a steal. Well, if you steal, you a kill. Yeah, you know how it goes. I think if you kill, you would steal, but I don't think the other way around. I think, no, I think it is. If, if you, you steal, steal, you would kill. kill. I don't think so. Yeah, if you because steal comes first. Steal comes first, mm. and then the kill. The kill's the last thing. Yeah, but there's because how it is trillions of people that have stolen a Snickers bar and have never killed anybody. No, but I'm saying, but what what I'm trying to say is like, if you lie, you a steal. If you steal, you a kill. That's how the saying goes. All right. That sounds pretty... Because pretty, they said if you do one thing... Pretty fascistic, my friend. No, nah, it's bullshit. Yeah. Though. But, you know, they're trying to say, if you do this, that means you end up doing this. Yeah, they're saying, walk the straight and narrow. Yeah. Hold on to you Jesus' know, hand. Exactly, bro. You'll be safe from Satan. Yeah. But just because you a lie don't mean you're a steal. When the thunder rolls. Because I ain't lying. I'll kill your ass. i just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The killer had customized the pantyhose into an elaborate noose with a slip component, much like the bras, meaning he could tighten and relax the pressure to prolong the woman's suffering as he liked. Mm -hmm. He had also sprinkled some soil and leaves over her, which slightly camouflaged her, but certainly couldn't be considered a proper burial, Mm -hmm. almost as if he wanted her to be found. It didn't take long to get a positive ID on Sabine. Her husband had filed a missing persons report the previous month. Sabine was a bakery worker by day, but unknown to even her husband, she occasionally worked as a secret prostitute. Mm, The hooks of heroin had gotten a hold of the slender girl, and to hide her shame from the outside world, she'd turned tricks to get it. So he, so her husband didn't even know. Uh Uh-uh. That's, man. And you been kissing her, Mm. and somebody's cock been kissing her? This kiss, she probably ain't sucking even... dick and kissing me on the lips when she yeah. get back to Michigan. She probably ain't even brushing her teeth after that. Now the plot this is sticking her horse. You feel like it was sticking your fucking dick in her horse. I'm sorry, Mr. Mo- Moitzi. Yeah. Husband of Sabine Moitzi. Heroin, man. Not even once. She was last seen by her friends. She was last seen by her friend Islay, who yeah. dropped her off on a corner to put in some work. See, when you go heroin, it's not friends. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
The next body was found three days later on May 23rd. Karen Uruglo mm. disappeared May 7th from her corner, just a few blocks from where Sabine was last seen. Mm. She'd been taken 10 miles outside the city into a grove of spruce trees, 30 yards from the nearest road. Blunt force trauma on the face indicated she'd been savagely beaten with both fists and an instrument. From Karen's leotard, it was clear the killer customized the same kind of knot used on Sabine's pantyhose, and he'd taken the rest of her clothing with him this time. Once again, he planted the body face down and did his light sprinkling of dirt and leaves, this time also putting a branch over Karen's head for some reason. But he left a piece of himself behind this time, Herschel. What was that? Underneath the body was a torn-off fingertip from a rubber glove. Mmm, torn-off fingertip? Since two out of the four of the missing oh, prostitutes in Austria had now turned up dead, investigators knew the other half were not far behind. Uh -huh. All four had been from the lowest class of street prostitutes, none were attractive, and none had strong pimps to guarantee payment and stake out high-traffic corners. Mm. As such, these girls were pushed to the fringes and became easy prey for the killer. Mm. In Vienna, prostitution is legal and highly regulated. As long as nothing causes violence or public disorder, prostitutes are able to ply their trade in the red light district. While prostitution is a high-risk occupation here in America, in Vienna, the homicide rate among hookers was no higher than that of regular old taxpayers. Please. It's the truth. First of all. When it's safe and legal. When you say highly regulated, that means there's a kickback coming in somewhere. Yeah. Taxes. So they're going to hide the fact that if there's any murders going on. This is my opinion. To me. Well, they turn the, they, as long as it doesn't cause violence or a public disturbance. Mm, we, then we can have at it. It's like Hamsterdam. But they lie and they juke the stacks. They too. juke the goddamn stats, Herschel. I'm pretty they sure. drag bodies out of Hamsterdam. They did. Then they did. Like, yo, what's good? So you don't think they did that in this case, though? I think they probably did. It's possible, right? Absolutely. Because you're getting kickbacks. You don't want to stop that kickback. We're going to do anything to keep get, keep that money rolling. And you don't think that's how even for a tax, they was the same death rate as a regular taxpayer? I get That's what the stats say. That's but they still been high, bro. In America, let's say your chances are, are, are two to one that you're going to be killed as a prostitute at some point working as a prostitute in America. In Vienna, it was whatever it is for me and you. Mm. It was the same killed rate. Yeah. That's 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 good. Right. There was barely any murders in Austria at this time. That all changed in the spring of 1991 when the Vienna Woods Killer, as he was known in the press, started attacking. In the days and weeks following the discovery of the first body, investigators spent countless hours talking to pimps and prostitutes alike, noting all descriptions of violent or especially perverted customers they'd encountered. Mm. They ran through their list of known sex offenders and got up with all their informants in the red light district. All in all, they received about 130 credible-sounding tips and did huh. their best to get to all of them. Of course, because this was such a high-profile case, there were several instances of women trying to get their abusive husbands and ex-boyfriends locked up. In a lot of oh. these cases, hypothetically, the guy might be able to be tied to one of the murders, but Austrian police knew already they were looking for just one guy responsible for all the murders. Pretty much a needle in the haystack. But can you imagine... Your angry ex-girlfriend calling the police and saying, I, it's got to be Herschel. He's the it's, one killing all these hookers. <laughs> it's him. I seen him damn near do something. I knew he was hinky. Yeah. 
It was him. On Monday, June 3rd, 10 days after the second body was found, a reporter for the Austrian Broadcasting Corporation arrived at Police HQ for an interview with the chief about the murders. Mm. The reporter introduced himself as Jack Unterweger (laughs) and said he was producing a story for the highest rated current events program in the country, Journal Panorama. So the Austrian Broadcasting Corporation is like, uh, what's that thing we have? NPR, right? <laughs> it's like the a state-run radio or whatever, right? Or like, uh, yeah, public radio, yeah. okay? Or it's like uh, Channel 2, TPT. Yeah, T- TPT Kids. Oh, yeah, I suppose you have children. You've seen a few TPT Kids <laughs> programs before. It'd be weirding me out at night. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, for some reason, it weirds me out at night. The cartoons they have on there? They're like, maybe the commercials they run. Oh, yeah, yeah. The lady trying to get the money for being a motivational speaker and stuff like that. Oof. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Though. Well, late I, night TPT. I, I, guess I don't watch long enough. Mm. It's good to fall asleep to, though. I guess. If you're not scared. Yeah, this creeps me out. That's all it is. Jack Unterweger explained that he was a freelancer who'd gotten this job because of a special attachment to his case. His aunt had been a prostitute who had been murdered by her last customer in 1967. From her, he learned the inner lives of prostitutes. His grief from losing her made him understand what the girls in the red light district who'd lost their friends were going through. The police chief guarded himself, preparing to be asked about intimate details regarding the running investigation. Answers he could not give. But those questions never came. Unterweger asked thorough, cogent questions without prying too far into police tactics. The chief is quoted on the program as saying, Despite a number of leads, we have obtained no positive results. What we are missing is material evidence, because the prostitutes we have found so far had already been lying there for a long time. Any material traces that were left were destroyed by bad weather. It rained very hard for a long time. So, Herschel, in effect, he told all of Austria that he didn't have shit. He Mm. didn't have anything. And this killer was a phantom. Damn, that's fucked up. At the same time, Unterweger produced the radio story. He also researched and co-wrote an article on the murders for the weekly newspaper Falter. According to Jack, the press was responsible for whipping up this frenzy. Their reporting was aimed solely at satisfying the greedy voyeurism of their readers with an appetite for blood, sex, and tears. Because that's what they wanted. Hell yeah, that sells newspapers. They didn't even want you to catch the killer. They can keep writing these great stories otherwise. Yes. Unterweger's article concluded that the fear itself had become more of a problem than the actual killer. He thought he could get to the bottom of it with his unique perspective of being the nephew of a murdered prostitute. He knew their world and was someone they could trust. Hey, look, man. Nobody cares about these prostitutes. Nobody. And that's why the newspaper don't give a fuck. Keep going. We was we got more characters for this story. USA, yeah, characters welcome. Ooh, like the Bill Belichick of characters. Mm. Like, oh, we could just get rid of you. We could just get another one. It doesn't matter. We come up with the story rule. Perfect. And that's why I was saying like they didn't even the police didn't even. At least they actually came out and said it. Like, man, we ain't got shit. Yep. The chief just straight up yeah. told the whole country that they were no closer yeah. to catching this guy than they've ever been. If y'all got some ideas. Let us know. We open. We got a suggestion box down at the station. When Jack Unterweger's journal panorama story was broadcast on the Austrian Broadcast Corporation, two of the listeners were the very chief of police he'd interviewed and his wife. Mm. Horrified, the chief's wife turned to him after hearing Jack's name. Darling, 
Unterweger is that guy that got a life sentence for murdering a woman and wrote a crazy book in prison. He was just released last year. That's right. On May 23rd, 1990, 40-year-old Jack Unterweger was released from prison after serving 15 years for the murder of an 18-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. While in prison, he became a literary hero, publishing seven books and even having one of them, Purgatory, made into a major motion picture. Hmm. As a young man, Jack had been a petty thief and a pimp whose criminal career culminated in that murder of the 18-year-old girl in 1974. He was convicted a year later, around his 25th birthday, Mm. and sentenced to life in prison. Three years after his conviction, he completed college courses on literature and narrative writing and began submitting children's stories to the ABC, who would record and broadcast about 50 of them on their programs for children. Yeah, they don't give a fuck who writing the shit as long as the shit's good. That shit's mm-hmm. still going today. Hell yeah. If you're an artist, oh my yeah. God. If you're a musician or a writer, you can do fucked up shit yeah. and just be like, yeah. I'm an artist. Yeah. I'm an artist, man. You know who else was an artist? Adolf Hitler. Yeah. He failed art school. He failed art school. That's why he was so mad. Mm. That's why he took tried to take over Europe. Because he failed our school. Yeah. 1982 was a hell of a year for the imprisoned Unterweger. The highly touted literary magazine Manuscript published his autobiographical novel titled Purgatory. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty hefty self-righteous book which kept hammering home the message that Jack was not a lost soul. And <sighs> one day he would be allowed to leave the prison a reformed and deserving man. <sighs> Of course, I'll write that shit, too. Just, oh my god, that's good publicity. How did nobody see that he was just writing this to get out of prison? They never do. Jack Unterweger was born August 16th, 1950, right at the midpoint of the Allied occupation of Austria from 1945 to 1955. The nation and capital were divided into four zones, each controlled by the U.S., England, Russia, and France. Uh-huh. Jack's mother was a country girl named Teresa... She left home in her late teens and worked as a waitress and bar wench, sometimes stealing and frauding to make ends meet. You gotta do that. Like a lot of young women in occupied Austria, Teresa found out the American troops were much better equipped and provisioned than Austrian troops, and as such, could show her a better time. She soon got pregnant with Jack, but he never knew his father. He only knew his dad came from New Jersey. Uh-huh. Teresa spent most of her pregnancy behind bars on a fraud charge, Mm. but was released a few weeks before her baby was born. On Jack's third birthday, his mother married an American soldier named Donald Van Blarcom. Jack never met his stepfather either, but he saw a photo of the young officer. Around the same time, Teresa was arrested again for fraud, and Jack was placed in the custody of his grandfather in Carinthia, the southernmost state in Austria. Mm. It really was a terrible place to grow up. Here's an excerpt from Purgatory written by Jack Unterweger. My eyes burned from the smoky air in the little low room. The women prattled and the men played cards. I was the house and court fool. A slave, educated by grandpa to be a fraud's accomplice. I sat on his lap playing dumb and later moved to my uncle's lap and betrayed his cards to grandpa. I was the ace of his sleeve. His fists were my teacher and I was a good student. So this dude trying to blame it on his family the way he is? Always. Always. Living with his violent, drunken grandfather in the middle of the Alpine woods without proper food, Mm -hmm. clothing, or motherly love certainly could have contributed to his future life Mm -hmm. as an asshole. In Austria, after serving 15 years for murder, a prisoner may be considered for parole. 
Due to Unterweger's exemplary prison behavior and wonderful writings, Mm -hmm. he was seen as the poster boy of the successfully rehabilitated offender. At his closed parole hearing on May 23, 1990, after 15 years and four months, Jack became a free man. He left society at the age of 25 and re-entered at 39, almost 40. Didn't you say he had life, though? In Austria, life is, you can be considered for parole after 15 years of a life sentence. I mean, yeah, the parole's fine, because they, don't they do that here, too, in Mm -hmm. the U.S.? Mm -hmm. But they still shut you down, usually, 100% of the time. Like, when you got got life, or they they parole you, they like, no. You get the parole. You'd be surprised. Okay. I thought they usually shut you down, though. With prison overcrowding, especially in this country, they're they're paroling a lot more than... Mm. Or just completely suspending sentences and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true, though. Which they should. All nonviolent crime should get out right now. Mm-hmm. Immediately, he made up for those lost 15 years by running through as many women as he possibly could. <laughs> a few days after getting sprung, he visited a nurse's apartment near the general hospital and stayed the night. The very next day, he met with the wife of an Austrian Broadcasting Corporation cast member at a museum and then returned to her apartment. Mm. When good chief Edelbacher learned that the reporter Jack Unterweger was an ex-con paroled almost exactly a year before the prostitute murders, Mm -hmm. he ran a background check which confirmed that Jack was well known in the literati circles. Yes, sir. During this short year, he'd published two novels and produced two plays for which he'd received generous subsidies from the Ministry of Education and Culture. On the day Unterweger interviewed the chief for his radio program, a retired police detective had phoned in a tip advising the homicide department to examine Jack as a possible suspect for the prostitute murders. Which they should. The chief never got that message. What? The retired cop in question was an old eccentric man from the small city of Salzburg. His name was Inspector August Schenner. According to detectives that remembered him, he was overzealous and had tunnel vision when he got his investigative hooks in something. Mm. When Schenner called the tip in, he'd spoken to a duty officer who considered the tip so asinine he almost didn't write it down. Schenner said, <laughs> Unterweger was responsible for two dead prostitutes in Salzburg from a long time ago. A simple background check showed Unterweger's only victim was a young girl in Germany who was not a prostitute. Mm. Apparently, Schenner had investigated him for these murders, but Unterweger had never been brought to trial for them. This was a big blow to Schenner's credibility. Mm. He appeared to the duty officer on the phone as if he were just fixated on an old case that he'd failed to solve. At any rate, when the tip finally did reach Chief Edelbacher, he knew that he'd need more than a tip from a retired cop still salty about old cases if they wanted to bring Jack in. <laughs> they, they love this dude. How do they keep getting away with it, Herschel? Yeah, they must love him because, I guess by dude being eccentric, he li- probably liked the novels. I'm like, no, this guy couldn't have been. He's a true Austrian. Yeah. They all wanted him to be the hero. They all wanted to no. prove that reformation can happen. You can take a murderer and turn him into a, an artist, a, a writer. Unfortunately, because he was locked up, he has to be kind of rounded up like they did the sex offenders. They rounded up them real quick. That's right. That's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo. Like 130 of them. You got to do You got to do what you got to do. Make your rounds. Unlike a lot of paroled offenders, Unterweger had a lot to lose. 
He had a big old apartment in the artsy part of town. Mm -hmm. He drove six different cars in his first year free. Mm -hmm. He was invited to give television and radio interviews and was surrounded by women at all times. There's no way he'd risk losing all this for the pleasure of strangling prostitutes, right? That is true because I was just thinking about that. Like, how much bread did this dude have? He was set up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Man, maybe that was... Part of the reason he did get out and gave some of that kickback to whoever they... You ever seen the jinx on HBO about Mm -hmm. Robert Durst who, like, hacked people up and kept getting away with it because he had money? Sometimes I think that happens in everywhere. Mm -hmm. If you're, like, artsy or a celebrity or you have money... You're right. When they talk about these athletes be uh, raping or sexual assaulting. The way I see it, athletes have as many kids as there are teams in their sport, Mm -hmm. in their league. (laughs) 32 kids, usually. One in each city. From experience, Chief Edelbacher knew that true crimes weren't as awesome as books and movies. The idea that a writer and journalist would kill hookers and then interview the chief of police about the investigation was ludicrous. Mm. Maybe out in Hollywood, but not in real life. No. Speaking of which, on June 10th, 1991, Jack walked into the chief's office to let him know he was about to take off for L.A., where he intended to do a story on crime and law enforcement. Uh He said he wanted to meet some police, perhaps drive around on a ride-along, and wondered if Chief Edelbacher had any friends in the LAPD. Of course, he did not, because he's an Austrian police detective. Just like Camper tried to become homies with uh, law enforcement? Yeah. Yep. Isn't that smart? It is. Because they they regular people, too. They're just people. Mm. They just want to drink a beer and nuke their suppers. Mm. Well, yeah, like I said, of course the chief had no contacts in the LAPD. Unterweger stayed at Hotel Cecil on 7th and Main, which was a popular area for prostitutes, and close to the downtown police department headquarters. I believe this is a uh, Skid Row uh, Mm. uh, kind of place, you know? Mm. While he was in L.A., he was eager to meet the writer Charles Bukowski, who was a huge inspiration on his book Purgatory. Mm. On the morning of June 20th, only a few hours after victim Shannon Exley met her final customer, he had a meeting with a photographer who had worked with Bukowski and who he hoped could get him an intro. The next day, he went to LAPD Central District and asked to speak with the chief of police. Obviously, the chief of police of LAPD is pretty busy and couldn't take a walk-in meeting with an Austrian journalist. Mm -hmm. Unterweger was able to get a ride-along in a patrol car, and the officer was surprised at how smart and interesting Jack was. After the ride-along, it was time to get down to his real reason for visiting. He wanted to shop his books around to the rich and famous movie producers around L.A. He grabbed a Homes of the Stars map and tried Cher's house. He was turned away at the gate. He tried Zaza Gabor's house, also turned away at the gate. (laughs) And finally, he tried filmmaker Robert Dornhelm, Hmm. a fellow Austrian. Jack was able to get in the door at Dornhelm, had an hour-long conversation, but Jack could see he was not interested in taking the story up to the big screen. Either that or he was going to steal your shit and rewrite it. Back in Austria, Unterweger was interviewed on the radio a few days after his return from L.A., but he made no mention of his trip for some reason. Two weeks later, on August 4th, the body of Sylvia Zagler was found in the woods five miles from Vienna. Mm. She'd been missing all the way since April 8th. Damn. The investigation was crawling along. Vienna police were almost out of tips before they decided to check on retired Inspector Schenner's warning to look at Unterweger for the prostitutes. So they finally got around to that old police's tip. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe we should look at this guy. 
Jack again turned up at Chief Edelbacher's office to talk about a story he was writing on similarities and differences between homeless in Vienna mm-hmm. and homeless in L.A. Mm-hmm. Edelbacher told him that he was one of 130 suspects in this case. Mm. Of course, Jack said that would be fucking absurd. He spent all those years in prison. He wasn't going to do a single thing to land him back in the slammer. Mm. A few days later, a 21-year-old prostitute named Joanna came forward to say that back in October of 1990, she had been picked up in a BMW with the license plate WJack1 and driven out of town. He made her undress and lie on her belly. Then he handcuffed her wrists. She screamed in pain and fear, but it seemed the more she struggled, the louder he moaned. After he came, he drove her back to her corner. She recognized Jack immediately from a photo. Intrepid reporter Hans Breidiger overheard Joanna's story about Unterweger. The reporter Hans had read Purgatory and had passively kept up with Jack's life post-prison. Being a good newspaper man, Hans figured the dead, strangled prostitutes shared a lot in common with Joanna, except, of course, uh, they were not returned to their corners. The reporter Hans hatched a plan. Him and his writing partner would pose as journalists from the culture section to get an interview, saying they were trying to get a scoop on Jack's next book, whatever Mm. that may be. Mm -hmm. When they met in the bar, Unterweger was warm and polite and super articulate. Mm -hmm. Naturally, the unsolved murders came up, and Jack responded calmly, Of course, after 20 years in prison, I haven't lost my sense of humor. I drove down here to meet with you guys voluntarily, knowing full well that you would be asking me about these murders. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you, why would I murder prostitutes? As far as my relationship with the police, I don't have a bad one. They receive tips and they have to run them down. But I don't think they appreciate how far I've come to be a better man. Unfortunately, you killed an 18-year-old. You took somebody's life. It's going to be a little backlash later in life. Especially when these girls are popping up in very similar ways. Yeah. It's you. It's you, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Literally Jack this time. I, I call people Jack for no reason all the time. I wonder what... Okay, come on, keep going. Because I wonder... I'm, I'm just waiting for the time. They be like, dude, we know. You waiting for the hammer to drop? Yeah. I'll tell you what, Herschel. It's coming up. Because this... <laughs> Come on, man. Reporter Hans was unconvinced and used his contacts in the press to find out if Unterweger was giving a reading or producing a play in the city on the nights that any of these murders took place. And wouldn't you know it, the dates coincided. All of them. Every time a a, a prostitute went missing, he was either reading from his book or producing a play that night. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was him. Hans passed this information along to Chief Edelbacher, who was naturally over the moon having some sort of concrete lead to investigate. Mm -hmm. The good chief learned a lesson echoed throughout time and space in the law and order world. Mm -hmm. He could get a tail on Jack Unterweger, no problem, but convincing the DA to prosecute was going to be a whole different story. Yeah, because they're holding his nuts over there. The DA wanted a slam dunk, 100% solved case before he'd even put it in front of a judge. You don't want to slander a national hero unless you're 100% certain. While Vienna hesitated, the city of Graz, Austria, leapt on it, issuing a warrant for his arrest in connection to the two dead prostitutes from 15 years ago. If the capital wasn't interested in protecting their citizens right now, Graz would try and step in and protect them retroactively. Mm -hmm. Unterweger immediately fled. At 4.50 p.m. the next day, February 15th, Jack called Graz Homicide Headquarters. The duty sergeant told him it would be better and easier for him to come in. Mm. Of course, Jack said, 
No, I won't. I can't bear going back to the cell. This news has already destroyed me socially. There's no sense in me staying in Austria. Uh, so pretty much you did it. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, that's, God, That's yeah. what he's saying. He's saying, I'm so innocent, I need to run away. Yeah. Usually that's not what happens. This killed me socially. What have I got left? Yeah. I guess I need to go on the wing. Uh-huh, I need to get out of here. Hey, what comes social your ass in this motherfucking sale? Yeah. It's three hots and a cop, yeah, yeah. my friend. <laughs> Come on. Get real social with it. Unterweger and his girlfriend Bianca decided to hop on a flight to Miami. No better place to blend in than a big American city. Mm. They had no choice but to travel with their actual passports and visa cards. That'll be a problem later. Mm. The pair settled into a routine. Unterweger found Bianca a job at the popular nightclub Miami Gold as a go-go dancer. The pair would enjoy the morning and afternoon on the beach. Then, while Bianca was dancing for dollars, he would work Mm. on his legal defense. Mm. It wasn't long before they were dead broke and living exclusively on the beach. One upside to being an Andy Warhol-type figure was Unterweger kept in touch with some girlfriends from Vienna. One in particular named Elizabeth agreed to wire him some cash. Oh, yeah. The next morning, February 26th, Elizabeth and her boss at Success Magazine worked out a deal to wire him 10000 bucks for an exclusive on-the-run interview. Damn. The magazine would wire him a small advance for living expenses right. and pay the balance on the day of the interview. Mm. Unterweger couldn't be happier and uh, sent instructions for where to wire the money. Mm. I mean, I guess they'd probably think, well, you could be innocent. And also, what a scoop. For a it magazine is. to get yeah. a killer on their a possible killer on the run. Of course, though, this was a trap card. Success magazine editor Gert Schmidt passed everything along to Chief Edelbacher, who passed it six thousand miles away to the U.S. Marshal Service. Uh, the next day, as yeah. much as I want this dude to be caught, that's bogus. That's some snitching BS. Yeah. What are you, Cameron? Well, no, nah, it's just a was simple, that Cameron who said that snitching BS. Where he was like, what if there was a serial killer that lived I in your apartment t- building? Oh, uh, yeah. Would you tell or whatever? Yeah, well, I'm, I ain't, I'd move. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably move. Was that Cameron? Well, well, whoever said it, how did, how would, how, who did the detective work to know that he was a serial killer? Yeah, well, I don't think he had that much time. It was like an MTV interview Because as something. far as I'm concerned, if you know he's a serial killer, you're the serial killer too, bro. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, I, if I'm info. the one that figured this out, yeah. there's something wrong with you, yeah. police. But no, but... That's life. Yeah, it is. It's like uh, rain on your wedding day. Mm-hmm. Or uh, <laughs> or whatever else Alanis Morissette says in that song. <laughs> the next day, U.S. Marshal Sean Conboy and his team sat on a hotel roof across the street from the USA Money Exchange. Mm-hmm. Instructions were clear. Look for a European male, five foot six, early forties, pale skin, and tats on his upper arms. Mm. The marshal's legal justification for detaining Unterweger was for entering the country on a tourist visa without disclosing his felony convictions. Mm. It wasn't a murder charge, but it was enough mm. to get his ass on a plane yep. back to Austria yep. to stand trial for murder there. Mm-hmm. Extradite his ass. Mm-hmm. As Jack arrived at the U.S. Money Exchange, he made the marshals on the roof immediately. He pretended he didn't notice them as he sent Bianca into the store to pick up the transfer. Mm-hmm. When she came out, they nonchalantly walked down the street and then cut and started sprinting down an alley. <laughs> so he knew probably, he knew somebody was on them. <laughs> Marshall spilled from several watch points in pursuit. Uh-huh. He didn't get far before he was tackled and cuffed. Right. 
Unterweger didn't fight extradition. In fact, he petitioned the court to deport him sooner. He wanted to take his chances in a legal battle in Austria. He had a good chance of only doing 15 years again. Mm -hmm. Three days later, on March 5th, 1992, old detective Fred Miller of the LAPD got a call from the Department of Justice regarding Jack's arrest for the murder by strangulation of seven prostitutes in his home country and asking if anything hinky happened between the dates of June 11th to July 16th, 1991, Mm. which was the date of his visit where he stayed at that uh, Skid Row Mm. Hotel. Mm. Detective Miller got up with Austrian police and followed the credit card statements. First on the list was a marathon rent-a-car in L.A. whose records showed him renting a blue Corolla on June 11th, 91. Unterweger gave his address as the Hotel Cecil on Main Street, only a few blocks from where Exley and Rodriguez had disappeared. The records showed he checked in June 11th and checked out July 2nd, three days after Rodriguez disappeared, Mm -hmm. and one day before Sherry Long disappeared. So this is all right in the fucking time frame. On March 12, 92, Detective Miller hopped a flight from L.A. to Miami to interrogate Mm -hmm. Unterweger. The lead detective in Miami told him, We think he's more afraid of California justice than ours, especially your gas chamber. Miller came in with an affidavit for blood and hair samples to be run against the sexual assault kits from Rodriguez and Exley. How do they treat the people in Austria? How do they treat them? As far as like, because you know in America, anybody like that, you probably, when you go to jail, you're going to get fucked up. And we have the highest prison population per capita in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Three quarters of the world's prisoners are American prisoners, okay? We we're a, we love sending people to prison in this country. Because there's money in it. A lot of other countries look at things for ref, like actual reform, reform like r- correction, mm-hmm. you know, like correcting your behavior. I'm like, it's the only place in America where slavery is still legal is jail. Cause mm-hmm. you are considered a slave when you're, when you're a prisoner. So. And, they, and it's not a correction. They don't correct shit. It's a boot no. camp. It's for profit. Yeah. There, if anything, it's, you're going to school. If you're going yeah. to prison, yeah. you're, you're going to college yeah. to learn how to be a better convict yeah. on the outside. Yes, sir. Yes. It's a boot camp just for better just convicts. That's how she goes. In betterment. So they could come right back. Because how do these motherfuckers have phones and shit in jail? What you mean? Like, I be seeing motherfuckers on Facebook Prison wallet. Shit. Prison wallet. You want to put it in your ass? Yeah, it's Damn, your prison wallet. Old. I don't know how they do it. I actually don't know. I hope they put WeBay had one. Yeah, but there was just... Look, look. Let's say you putting phones in your ass. If it's a regular flip phone for back in the day, I could see that. I suppose... You, you know what? I'll tell you how they have... iPhone 12s. I'll tell the you how they have is. iPhone 12s in there is because the guards need extra money. I mean, yeah, obviously. That's how. So easy to probably do it, too. I remember when Little Wayne was mm-hmm. in prison and his prison guard got in trouble for, like, uh, giving him a MP3 player and stuff like that? Yeah. I, I think I remember hearing something like that. Mm. But, and, too, they probably, like I said, if it's profit, if the prison's a profit, profit, why wouldn't they want to... You could come here and use the phone. You'll be fine. Come do these years. I'll tell you what, Herschel. I'm 100% with you. Prison reform is a... Uh, uh, on my agenda when I take over this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is nice that you could uh, probably get degrees and shit in there. Yeah. Yeah. Bank robbing degrees. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All different types. Murdering degree. Yeah. No, yes, you can take courses. Correspondent courses. Mm-hmm. You get you a high school diploma, GED enough if you need. That's good. And if you're a short timer, that makes that all makes sense. But what about those life boys, you know? Unterweger answered 
He came to L.A. in order to write stories about prostitutes and the homeless and went on to give a day-by-day breakdown of his stay in L.A. He had dated the receptionist at Hotel Cecil, and he had dated three prostitutes, one white and the other two Latina, but he had killed no one. Mm-hmm. Miller came in with all smoke, of course. He knew the DNA tests wouldn't be back before Austria's 90-day extradition period ended, and the LADA wouldn't prosecute without the DNA. But crazier confessions have happened when you simply interview someone. So it was a good idea to go in there and pretend like he had something. Like they always do. Mm Mm-hmm. May 28th, Unterweger stepped off the plane at Vienna International, flanked by U.S. Marshals. Mm -hmm. He seemed relaxed as the Marshals transferred custody to Vienna police. Two years later, the case finally came to court on 4-20-94. The press billed it as the trial of the century. Never before in Austrian history had one man been accused of so many counts of murder. Mm -hmm. He was accused of murdering seven Austrian women, three American women, and one Czech woman. Unterweger had the final word in court, as is the way in Austrian law. Mm -hmm. Unlike America, where you need a unanimous verdict from the jury, Mm -hmm. a simple majority does the trick over there. Mm. The jury found him guilty of 9 out of 11 counts of murder. At 3.40 a.m. that night, Unterweger was found hanging in his cell at the grass courthouse from a noose made out of thin metal wire and the drawstring from his underwear. What would you rather do? Would you rather have everybody gotta agree? To a judgment, or would you rather have the majority agree? Or you have no? Gosh, I don't know, man. Yeah, right. I don't ever want to stand in 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 front of my peers being judged. That sounds terrifying. So I don't know if I would want majority or I guess unanimous, but that doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. Prisons are full of innocent men. I mean, there's some shit karma. If you believe in that, like you may be innocent for yeah. that. Yeah. For what they blaming you for, yeah. but where you, you... Maybe you're a piece of shit otherwise. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, Unterweger took the That's easy the way, way out. Yeah, he did. He didn't want to uh, face but, all them years. I think it was he didn't want to get fucked up in the prison. That's you, a... Yeah. You don't want to be locked up in American prison. Oof. Especially not when you have... Uh, you've tasted the good life. You've been a successful artist and writer and you're making money. Hand over fist. And he probably could flex his money a bit. Well, he didn't have any money when he was getting extra data to Austria. Right, right, right. Because he was, that's what he was he, on the wing. That's how he got set up. Mm. Like, like, like I said, that's bogus that they would set him up like that. Mm. Because when you go to a news outlet, mm. it's all about trust. And if That's you, all you have. If, yeah. And if you can't trust Your word me, is your bond. Yeah, you can't trust me. You can't trust us. Otherwise, you're Scott Templeton. You're, you're printing lies Bam. about the Baltimore Bam. Strangler. And that's not cool, neither. That ain't cool. Writing fake news. Mm-hmm. And my boy played right into it. Right into it. Man, man, man. <laughs> man. <Yeah>. You motherfucker. <laughs> the biting's not sexual. It's just biting. <laughs> the fucking homeless murders. That's good stuff. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Is Herschel, thank you very much for likewise, being Likewise, A-Bomb. I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. You know I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything to say? No, I don't, man. That's it. That was a great one. That was a great one for the books. All right. Well, I like that. If you liked it, let us know on Instagram at uh, Instagram.com slash Bumblebutt Podcast, I think. Instagram, Bumblebutt. I don't know. I'll make a post about it when I post it up. So just go to, just find us on Instagram. Herschel, thank you very much for being here. My name's Ben Adam. I'll see you next week. See you later, everybody. Bye. (laughs)